You may remain standing for the reading of the Word of God. Dr. Peter Dyson, who will be preaching at the 9.30 hour, then as most of you know, the 11 o'clock hour of our church will be at the Anatole with the Missions World Mission Conference a wrap up and conclusion. But if you know someone or you yourself would like to observe it without going over there, we'll have it playing in the fellowship hall at 11 o'clock. What Dr. Dyson has done is pulled together three scripture verses from the Gospels that have a common theme, and the theme is that of harvest. We have been looking at Pentecost. Pentecost is the harvest season from the day of first fruits until the 50th day, which is what Pentecost means. We have had a period of time, we have looked at the church and the disciples and what they were doing. And now uh, Pete goes back into the Gospels to pick up a theme from the teachings of Christ. Here are now these three uh, short references. Do not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. And then from the Gospel of Matthew. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then the Gospel of Luke. And after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. The Word of the Lord. You may be seated. God has always had His eye on the harvest. That's the whole point of sowing is in order that you may reap. Sowing in the scripture is a symbol of faith. The farmer puts the seed in the ground and he applies faith. He has faith that the seed will germinate. He has faith that the soil will do what it needs to do that the rains will come at the right time, that the sun will shine, that the boll weevil will stay away, 
and that all of the harshness that comes upon a crop will be abated and the crop will make and it will come to fruition and it will be a bountiful harvest. Thirtyfold, fiftyfold, a hundredfold, great harvest. Jesus grew up in an agrarian economy and until just the last 35 years, our own country and every other country in the world was predominantly an agrarian society. That is, we lived by the harvest. We lived according to what the farmer was able to produce for us. And the majority of the people participated in farm labor. And Jesus uses all kinds of agrarian symbols and images in his teaching. And here's one that is most important. The harvest season is that season when God brings to himself all that he has called. The harvest season is the time when the, when the people are one, when the sheaves are brought in to the garners and the storehouses to supply the food for the people. The picture of the sower and the reaper is used several times in each testament. And it's a picture of God going forth, planting the seed, and then superintending upon the seed in its growth process, and then harvesting the bountiful harvest. And that's what Jesus says here. There's a couple of things I'd like to just notice, <clears throat> especially the things that repeat themselves in these three accounts. First of all, this was repeated in the life of Christ uh, in, in, uh, in chronology more than once. As we read the Gospels and study, we'll see that Jesus said this on three different occasions at least, and there may have been some overlap in, in the occasion, but there was an overlap in the message, but this was something that was repeated by our Lord. Not only that, when He went out and did His preaching and teaching in the synagogues and, and among the people, He noted something about the harvest, that it was, it was huge, it was a large group of people that... that needed to be brought to saving grace, that needed to be brought to himself. He offered the invitation time and again for them to come to him. And when he observed that there was a reluctance on their part, he, he literally looked at them and said, you will not come to me that you may have eternal life. What, what holds you back from coming to Christ but your, your own will, your own stubbornness, the, the willingness to cling to your sin instead of to cling to Christ? The reluctance to repent. Any number of things keeps men and women from coming to Christ. But the invitation is there. But as the old Puritan preacher said, souls are hardly one. And the Lord recognized this. So not only did he see it in his own ministry, when he observed the, the people, the masses, they were, they were harassed, they were, they were heavy laden, they were disturbed, they were restless, they were pathetic. And he longed to gather them in under himself, but they would not come. They would not believe. Large numbers would believe and then they would follow for a while and they would fall away. 
And this was always a difficult thing. And Jesus observed it in his own teaching and preaching ministry. But then when he sent out the 70 or the 72, depending on the textual reading, at least 70, when he sent out these 35 pairs of preachers, he noted to them that there would be the same thing, that they would find that the harvest is, is vast, but the laborers are few. Another thing I'd like to point out is he identifies it as the Lord's harvest. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest. The harvest belongs to the Lord. Some of us grew up in a culture where we felt like we personally were responsible for winning someone to Christ. In that if we said something wrong or misquoted a scripture or maybe didn't answer their question the way that it ought to be answered, that they would surely not ever come to Christ. We've since learned as we've looked at it more carefully that it's the Spirit of God that informs, that opens eyes, that opens ears. It's the Spirit of God that draws and that compels men and women to come to Christ. It is the work of the Lord and He calls upon us to be laborers in the harvest. He talks about how the harvest is already upon us. He says, don't wait four months and then say comes the harvest. He said, the harvest is now. And immediately he takes it to the spiritual level where it belongs. He calls it, it's a harvest of eternal life. I've heard it suggested that when he says the fields are white to the harvest, that if you look at the, the globe, there's a, a certain latitude around the world that is very compatible for growing cotton. And of course, Egypt is in that, as well as so much of the United States, and also Palestine. There was very little evidence that they had cotton as a fiber back then, but if they did, their main one, of course, was, was flax for linen production. That was the main fiber in uh, cloth and fabric in Jesus' day for making clothing. But if it was cotton, just think about the intense labor. Let me have a show of hands this morning. How many of you have ever picked cotton? Oh, praise the Lord. Well, you, I'm preaching to my people. Yeah, that's, picking cotton is, uh, is arduous. You don't even get down one good long row until your back is already breaking. It is, it is difficult in the old days when you picked cotton as opposed to pulling cotton or just letting the machine do the work. In the old days, you had to reach in among those uh, bowls and pull the cotton out. And as you would put your fingers in there, the sharp edges would cut up under the cuticle and the finger would bleed. One of the most arduous, difficult things there is anywhere, totally labor intensive, is picking cotton. And not only that, for the most part, you were paid by the pound. Do you know how much cotton it takes to make a pound of cotton? Hard work. I think the Lord is suggesting to us that the work of preaching the gospel, carrying the gospel to the world, is not an easy task. It demands hard labor. It's a, it's a task that, that we must dedicate ourselves to and we must come upon. You see, the... the dispositive position of God is this. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God looks at his people and says, why will you die, O Israel? 
He says to them through the mouth of the prophet, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. When the Lord looks at the mass of lost humanity, His every heartbeat is that they be saved. But lying under the condemnation of universal sin, they will not come. They cannot come. They refuse. They insist and persist in their sin. And I'll just take it straight to the bottom line. If anyone winds up in heaven for all eternity, it's totally the grace of God at work in their life. If anybody winds up in hell for all eternity, it's their own fault. God loves sinners and wants to see them saved. God wants us to carry that gospel to them. As I was sort of reading a little bit this week about agriculture in the ancient world, especially in the first century um, times of Christ in the Holy Land, I came upon something that was kind of astonishing to me. There were three exports from ancient Palestine. Three. They had a lot of agricultural products, but they exported three. Grain, chiefly wheat and barley, was an export that they raised plenty of and moved it out through the Mediterranean ports and down through the Gulf out to other countries. They exported wine. The vineyards of that ancient world were quite productive. The climate was good for growing the grapes for, and making good wine. They exported wine. And then they exported olive oil. Olive oil. And it just struck me the symbol what goes forth from Jerusalem? What goes forth from Zion? What goes forth from the Holy Land? But grain, but the bread of life, the Lord Himself. What goes forth from the Holy Land, from Jerusalem, from Zion, but the wine, the blood of Christ? The soul-cleansing, robe-washing blood of Jesus Christ. And what is we've seen in this time of harvest do we see empowers it all but the oil of the Holy Spirit. Three export products, all laden with deep biblical and spiritual significance. It goes from that little spot, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. There's enough blood shed at Calvary to save every person that's ever lived. There is sufficient grain in the storehouse of God for every human being to feast on the bread of life. It is interesting to me that Jesus performed two miracles in his life that just sort of picks this up and carries it a little further. 
he turned water into wine. And when he did, he produced multiple gallons of wine. There was more wine than that little wedding feast could ever drink in a year. The abundance of the wine is a symbol of the sufficiency and the infinite, the infinite atonement of Jesus Christ in His blood. The other miracle Jesus had that He went way overboard with was the feeding of 5,000. With five little barley loaves, He fed 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children. There is enough of the bread of life to go to every single solitary soul. There is no reason why we as Christians, as gospel bearers, as Christophers, Christ bearers, can carry the gospel to the whole world. That's what the missions conference is about this week. That's what it should be in our heart. We're just one person or one couple or one family out of the billions that inhabit the earth. We're just one church out of the hundreds of thousands that inhabit the earth. But what is our part? What is our share? And can we pray the Lord of the harvest to send more laborers into His harvest? That there may be bread and wine for all of humanity.